Fiverr is the world's largest marketplace for digital services, offers both buyers and sellers a digitally streamlined transactional platform. If you need to buy something, sell something, or whatever you want to do on Fiverr, just go to bit.ly slash GOP Josh Fiverr today to get your gig or to put your gig on Fiverr and help support the program as well. That is bit.ly slash GOP J-O-S-H Fiverr F-I-V-E-R-R. This is the Conservative Crusader. Hello and welcome. This is the Conservative Crusader here on the Red Future Radio Network. Joining us now is a successful businessman, a legal immigrant to the United States, and an America First candidate for U.S. Senate here in the beautiful state of Ohio. His name is Bernie Moreno. His website is BernieMoreno.com. Mr. Moreno, welcome to the program today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Josh. Well, thank you for uh, hopping on with us. So first and foremost, before we get into the uh, the, the, all the questions. Can you introduce yourself to the audience and why you're running for U.S. Senate? Yeah, absolutely. So quick story, born in Columbia, South America, moved here legally, uh, learned English, became a U.S. citizen, went to college, went to work for a big company, realized that wasn't my cup of tea. I uh, had the ability to buy my own business uh, about 18 years ago here in Cleveland, bought a tiny little dealership, grew it into a giant company with 15 dealerships, selling 20,000 cars a year, then started a tech company, uh, that uses blockchain to make the cartelling process digital. And uh, now I'm running for the U.S. Senate for one simple reason, Josh, which is I want this country to be better for you and your peers than the country that I got. And right now it's not looking that way. And the reason is because we keep sending career politicians to Washington, D.C. that only care about themselves, only care about their next election, only care about whatever special interest group they need to cozy up to instead of going down there to actually just serve their country. Absolutely. So speaking of your career politician opponents, what differentiates you between them uh, or between you and them? <laughs> well, I mean, they, they're, they're both nice guys. Uh, they're both very nice people. At the end of the day, though, it's about do you want to change Washington, D.C.? Uh, do you want to send somebody who's going to look at it from a very different perspective perspective? because they've worked in the private sector, they've built a business, they know what it's like to succeed and fail versus being guaranteed a paycheck from the taxpayer every day. Uh, you know, it's just a different skill set, different life experience. So if you want a career politician, an insider, you have two good choices on the other side. If you want an outsider, a business person, somebody who's always going to put America first, then you got me. All right. Well, I have to agree with you there on that. And before we get to your Senate race, there's a big uh, issue actually a week from the date we're recording this uh, here in Ohio on the ballot issue one. Uh, your opponents have accused you of not doing enough to work on this, especially uh, Frank LaRose. And I know that's not true, uh, but can you kind of clear your name and how you're actually outworking your opponents on the yes on issue one campaign? Well, I don't think Matt Dolan has made that accusation at all. But, you know, sometimes you know, Frank, uh, you know, again, nice guy, but, you know, these political stunts isn't something that should be done, period, around something that's so important as issue one, you know, put out a challenge to me to say, hey, spend a million dollars, whatever. I mean, like, at the end of the day, this is a time for unity. This is a time where all of us should be uh, coming together because this is really important, as you know, Josh, to pass issue one. It's a good government, common sense measure which will allow our constitution to be more stable and not subject to the whims of the day. That's ultimately what this is about. And I'm confident that we get the voters to turn out next week and actually, by the way, remind them that they can vote every day between now and then, uh, then we'll win this thing. Absolutely. So back to the Senate race, what is the number one threat facing America right now? Uh, by, there's not even, it's not even close. Uh, it's the China 
um, manipulation of Mexico, sending those base materials to create fentanyl, which is causing the largest human trafficking operation in world history, combined with this insane amount of drugs that are pouring through our southern border. We've had an invasion of our country with over 6 million people there. All that is this unholy alliance between the Mexican drug cartels and China. China has proven that they do not have any interest in being an ally with us, which is a shame because they could be a good productive ally. Instead, they want to be our strategic enemy and we got to treat them as such, but hope that it doesn't come to that hope that we can get a good relationship with China uh, because we definitely don't want to have this kind of a uh, uh, situation with, with a company that a country that provides 80% of our pharmaceuticals and lots of other important elements that we rely on. So what is your plan, uh, speaking of Mexico, uh, to fix the situation on the southern border? Uh, as uh, you're a legal immigrant, you came the right way. What is your plan to stop those trying to kind of come in and, and, and come the wrong way, so to speak? Well, we have to make it crystal clear, Josh, that there's one way to come to America, which is a legal path. I don't think that should even be controversial. If you break it into our country illegally, you should forfeit your right for asylum. we got to finish the wall. we got to ask Mexico to make a very simple choice. They can be our largest trading partner of legal goods, which they are, or our largest tra- uh, par- trading partner of illegal goods. They can't be both. And I think the Mexican people will pick, like Colombia, my home country, picked, and we wiped out our drug cartels in the 80s and 90s. we got to do the same thing with Mexico. Uh, we got to designate the drug cartels as foreign terrorist organizations. we got to use the U.S. military to provide logistical support at the border and allow cooperation between Mexico and the U.S. to go in there and wipe the drug cartels off the face of the earth, secure our southern border. And then what we have to do is have a vibrant America first focused immigration system that brings people here the legal way where it's beneficial for America. So two quick listener questions regarding immigration. Uh, Do you think we should continue birthright citizenship under the 14th Amendment? And do you think America should have a national language? Well, the, the official language of America should be English. I don't think that should be controversial. The official language of Germany is German. The official language of Spain is Spanish. Uh, part of what we need to do is re, re-look at our immigration policies. We should be raising the standard to become a U.S. citizen, uh, enhancing the English requirement, the civics requirement, et cetera. Uh, you may not know this, but believe it or not, Biden administratively is trying to uh, lower those standards, waive the English requirement, waive the civics requirement. That's crazy. I'm not you know, I became a U.S. citizen. Crazy. <laughs> well, totally crazy. I mean, I, I, w- I became a U.S. citizen when I was 18. It was one of the greatest honors of my life, and it should be an honor and a privilege to become a U.S. citizen. In terms of uh, being born here, uh, if your parents aren't legal immigrants, the country doesn't have actual jurisdiction over those people. So I would argue that if you're here illegally and, and you give birth to a child, that child is not an American citizen because the U.S. government doesn't actually have authority over that person. That's how I think we look at this thing. Again, that's not about being xenophobic or hating people from other countries. Listen, I'm from another country. At the end of the day, it's about following our laws. And if you're not willing to do that as a way and a condition to get here, then that says a lot about what you're, how you're going to be as a citizen. So I think we, 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 can have, we can have a vibrant legal immigration system that's focused on what's good for America and American workers and certainly end any illegal immigration. Absolutely. Uh, so back to sort of domestic issues now. Uh, runaway fl- inflation is a huge issue for Ohioans and Americans nationwide. Uh, obviously, gas prices, uh, the cost of living is going up insane. How can you work as a U.S. senator to, to lower and, and hopefully stop inflation? 
Well, we have inflation because it's government created, right? So the first thing we did is we attacked the American energy sector. We canceled, when I say we, Biden canceled this Keystone pipeline and started to wage a war against fossil fuels. Uh, we have to end that war. It's, it's insane. It's ridiculous. We're not going to be able to bring manufacturing back to America without affordable, abundant American energy. So that's the first thing we have to do, Josh, is unleash American energy. That doesn't mean we're anti-renewables. Certainly windmills and solar farms have a role, but it is a small role compared to what we need in terms of nuclear, coal, natural gas, which is an abundance here in Ohio. We need all of that because we need to be energy dominant in this country. And when we do that, not if we do that, when we do that, then we can lower the cost of goods dramatically and allow us to bring manufacturing back to the U.S. The second piece of the inflation puzzle is we have to end this absurd government spending. We've added $1.8 trillion in debt to our country just in the last month, month and a half. That's a number that's so incomprehensible that it's almost ridiculous. And we can't allow that because, listen, at the end of the day, I can't look at you and say, hey, I lived a great America, but I'm leaving you a country that's massively in debt and almost broke. That's not a fair thing to do to our kids and grandkids. Well, I appreciate that you think that way. That reminds me of the introduction to this show every day with the Ronald Reagan quote, freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. And I think that pretty much uh, uh, describes the entirety of this country. So I appreciate you taking a fight against that. Um, speaking of Reagan, he was kind of a free trade guy, right? Um, on the the worldwide scale, are you more pro-free trade or a regulated, quote, fair trade system? Well, it's certainly uh, in a theory world, it's, uh, it's all about free trade, right? In a theory world. The problem is we don't live in a theory world. Absolutely. We live in a world in which China manipulates their currency. They subsidize their industries. Uh, they uh, make American companies go in there and make bad deals. You know, 51% ownership by them, 49% by us. They see our intellectual property. Where does free trade come in with any of that? That's absurd. And you can't have rules for even our allies that they put on us that we don't put on them. So we need to have, again, trade deals that benefit America. That's very simple. By the way, should never be controversial, right? If you're if you're the if you're in a, a a politician in Germany, you want the best trade deal for Germany, right? But our but we see what the Hunter Biden laptop story, what that's shown us is that we have political leaders in this country that sell out our country to benefit those foreign countries, and it's for their own personal enrichment. That's what I mean by getting rid of these career politicians. Uh, again, it's it's not complicated. It should be pretty straightforward. So, so real quick here, none of your sons might have a laptop that's going to ruin your career in a few years, right? I <laughs> just want to just check and make sure of that. Uh, um, before we get to that. I raised, I raised four amazing children, uh, Josh. None of them which would, do, uh, would ever do anything remotely resembling Hunter Biden. But you know, it's not about Hunter Biden and his personal behavior. We got to focus on the corruption, right? Because listen, he'll be judged by others, not us, uh, for his drug use, et cetera. But at the end of the day, that's not the story. The story is the corruption of taking bribes from not one, not two, but at least three or more foreign countries to their personal benefit and to America's detriment. That's what's crazy. Absolutely. So kind of mentioning Ukraine, obviously, that was part of the whole uh, situation there with the Russia and the Ukraine conflict. Where does Americans role, America's role in that conflict overall? And do you think we should be bankrolling uh, Ukraine's entire defense? 
Well, the last part is obviously, obviously not. Uh, we shouldn't be shouldering 95, 98% of the cost of this war. It's absolutely absurd. We're paying the wages of Ukrainian government workers and covering their pensions. Uh, you know, we have too many problems at home to be using our taxpayer dollars for that. So at the end of the day, first of all, we always have to remind everybody, especially Josh, you have a lot of haters on Twitter. Congratulations, by the way. That Thank means you. you're doing a good job. Thank you. Okay. You're judged, you're judged by your haters. Ask Grant Cardone. He'd be the first guy to tell you that, right? The more haters you have, the better you're doing. And the haters are going to say, oh, you love Putin. You're a Putin apologist. Listen, everything in the media and the left is binary except for gender. At the end of the day, <laughs> right? Sorry, at the end that, of the that day. That caught me off guard, sir. <laughs> <laughs> at the end of the day. Crimea should never have happened. And it happened because we had a weak president. His name was Barack Obama with the vice president and Joe Biden. Should never have happened. No ramifications to Russia as a result of taking Crimea. That sent, Biden, that sent Putin a signal that, that, uh, there were, that there was no consequences. Then he had Nord Stream 1 online. They then built Nord Stream 2. A gentleman, an outsider, a business guy named Donald J. Trump came into office went to the UN and told the Germans, you shouldn't be doing this. This is a really bad idea to close your nuclear power plants and your coal plants and rely on Russia for energy. They laughed at him. Him and the elitists in our country laughed at him, told him he was, he was stupid and dumb. Well, who's the dumb one now? He was 100% right. So he put sanctions on Nord Stream 2. Then, of course, the 2020 election happened. We can talk about that. And then what happened? The Democrats, Sherrod Brown, Biden, lifted the sanctions on Nord Stream 2. Now, if you're Putin, what message does that send you? And then, of course, the ridiculous and disgusting withdrawal from Afghanistan, which was a national embarrassment, showed Putin that Biden was not a serious person and certainly not somebody who would stand up to him. And then Biden, I'm sorry, Putin amassed troops on the Ukrainian border for two months, pretty much put out a billboard with a countdown clock that says days till invasion, and Biden did nothing. Then was the time if we wanted to arm Ukraine, that, that was the time to do it, but instead did nothing. So here we are. So what we should be doing and what President Trump will be doing is to have the killing end. We don't want hundreds of thousands of Ukrainians to die. We don't want Russian soldiers to die. You know, the Russian people are just as much a victim of Putin as the Ukrainians are. And again, I'm not drawing an equivalency. Ukraine was the one that was invaded, but we don't want the killing to continue. So we should be driving peace talks. That's what American leadership should be all about. And that's what I would advocate in the United States Senate. Absolutely. And I, I'm going to mention something you kind of mentioned uh, at that event on Saturday that we have on our Rumble page. Uh, the United States Senate can declare a war. Through our money, we're kind of trying to do the same thing with the government. We're, we haven't actually declared a war yet. Um, what do you think our role would be, uh, skipping Ukraine, skipping Russia, if China decided to invade Taiwan tomorrow or Taiwan tomorrow? Well, first of all, we have to reinforce that the United States Senate is the only place that Congress is the one that declares war, not the President of the United States. It's very important because we're the most accountable to the people, and it's a broad coalition of people represented by the entire country. I, I, so at the end of the day, China, China will not invade Taiwan if they understand that America is strong and united, and there will be consequences and ramifications. With Biden, none of those things exist. So at the end of the day, when we take power in 2025, China will understand that you're dealing with a strong, united America, and I don't believe that that will happen. Now, if the Democrats stay in power, different story. Uh, I think you're going to see something very, very different. Uh, now, what we have to do, Josh, in addition to uh, support 
Taiwan is to make certain that we bring the industries back that we rely on. That would be the reason that we have to go to war with Taiwan, which is semiconductor chips. So we have to bring that kind of manufacturing back to the U.S., which we're doing. Very proud of that's happening here in Ohio. And we have to do a good job of bringing other industries back, pharmaceuticals, PPE, steel. And we talked about energy already. But at the end of the day, a strong, powerful, united America is the biggest detriment, uh, uh, deterrent, I should say, to any kind of foreign, uh, uh, shall we say, ambitions by our enemies. Bernie Moreno, which, by the way, let me just say one more quick thing, Josh, on that, which is that means getting rid of all this woke nonsense out of our military, because it's not just that we're running low on ammunitions. We're running low on people because we're teaching them insanely idiotic things that they shouldn't be talking about. They should be a lethal fighting force of strong soldiers. BernieMoreno.com. Bernie Moreno is joining us now. One more quick foreign policy question, and then I think most everything else is is uh, going to be domestic. And this is a listener-submitted question. Uh, what do you believe our role is in the Israel and Palestine or uh, Middle East conflict over in that area? Well, Israel is our unequivocal ally. Uh, we unequivocally support Israel uh, for a variety of different things, morally, uh, strategically, uh, financially, all of the above. They're the true democracy in the Middle East. Uh, that used to be a bipartisan issue, but right now we have this extremist left that's very anti-Israel, which is very, very, very concerning to me. Uh, we have to fix that in a big, big way. So uh, we we will be, I will be Israel's strongest ally in the United States Senate. Um, I understand that. I've been there many times. I've invested in Israeli tech companies. I've encouraged others to do that. Uh, they can be a great uh, laboratory for us here in the U.S. Uh, so we have strong and unequivocal support for Israel. There's not even a question about that. All right. Uh, so now back to domestic issues. Uh, would you support a national flat tax rate in the U.S. Senate for our, our national income tax? Well, we have to look at that. The challenge with the national flat tax rate, Josh, is you can get rid of the IRS, which is great, right? But the challenge becomes at what rate do you set that and then do you put – your situation, you put the country in a situation where it starts at a reasonable number, but then we start to grow that over and over again, like we've seen in Europe. Uh, but what we do need in DC is a shift of focus away, in my mind, from taxing to spending. We don't have a revenue problem in DC. We've collected record amounts of revenue there. We have a spending problem. We're spending way too much money. That's the problem that we should be focusing on. In this next question here, and I completely agree with you, um, I, I'm sure you see all the, everything on Twitter where people are saying, oh, well, Bernie Moreno, he's, he's a risk because he said stupid things in the past and this and that. One of those things is about reparations. Um, what are your thoughts on reparations? Because I want to give you a chance to kind of clear the air on this. I think it's a stupid thing people talk about all the time. Uh, so just take a second. What do you think about reparations? Well, generally, uh, you know, first of all, I said uh, reparations should be on the table because you, when you negotiate, you put things on the table so you can take them off the table, right? So just so you, you because you, you, you have, by, by putting it on the table, you expose the idiocy of the conversation, right? Uh, most people in America, I think two thirds or more, uh, don't have family lineage past uh, 1900. Right. So, so and it's 160 years ago. Why dig up that old wound? Now, 
at the end of the day, in terms of the comment I made about white civil uh, civil uh, uh, civil war soldiers, what I was doing was exposing the hypocrisy of the left, exposing the idiocy of this entire conversation. It's never going to happen. This is just like student debt loan forgiveness, right? What did Biden do last last cycle? Oh, we're going to forgive all your student debt. Well, none of that happened. They, he lied to young people, convincing them, hey, listen, vote for me and you won't have to pay $10,000. Oh, geez, I'll vote for you. And guess what? You're still paying $10,000. And the reason is because he lied to you. It's no different than this. Reparation is not going to happen. It's a distraction from the actual conversation, which is how do we lift everybody up in America? How do we stop this race baiting? Yes, this country has a history, but we should be proud of the fact that we've been better every generation. And at the end of the day, yeah, of course, there's still people who are racist in America, but it's a very, very minuscule minority. I was called a spit growing up. Uh, it never affected me. My mom even told me it stood for smart person in Columbia. So I thought it was a compliment. At the end of the day, Right. If you allow others to make you think you're a victim, then they, they, of course, want to be your savior. But in reality, they end up being your oppressor. So let's lift everybody up. Let's get past this race baiting nonsense. Let's all remember we're just the same Americans that want a great country. That's what we, that conversation should be about. Absolutely. I just I sent out that that tweet saying, well, send me your questions. And then all the Dolanites have sent in the question. Well, what about reparations? He's going to lose the general. So I thought I'd, I'd mention something about it. Uh, I'm really quickly back to home with East Palestine, Ohio. Uh, obviously, we saw J.D. Vance lead the federal initiative to bring relief to East Palestine. Um, and he's obviously endorsed your campaign as well. If you were a senator at that time, how would you have responded? And what can you do in 2025 for the long term consequences of that train crash? That train derailment? Well, I think J.D. did. Yeah, J- J.D. did a great job. I mean, J.D. brought the spotlight to it, brought President Trump out there. President Trump gave a master class on what it means to be America first. Uh, I would have done exactly what J.D. did. I was out there myself uh, three or four times. Uh, we actually I had a dealership probably half an hour from East Palestine that I had sold. The new owners are great people operating a great dealership. It's Kia Streetsboro. They donated a car to uh, one of the people that was featured on Tucker Carlson, gave her the car, no charge. Uh, we went out there and did that. You know, we did that all quietly because these are the things that you do is just help people. And what you saw in East Palestine is when a community feels that way, they're great, the best in people come out. But you know, at the end of the day, J.D. was there making things happen. Uh, Sherrod Brown was in Hollywood hobnobbing it with the rich and famous. Uh, that's the contrast between the two. Of course, then he saw the cameras were there. So Sherrod Brown has never seen a camera he didn't want to you know, have an intimate relationship with. So now he's over there. Uh, you know, uh, loving the cameras and pretending he was there from day one, when in reality, it was J.D. who was pushing the rail safety bill, who's making things happen, who's holding people accountable. Listen, Norfolk Southern and its executives need to do whatever it takes to make the people of East Palestine, East Palestine better than before the train derailment. That includes property values, everything around there. Uh, it's on them. If they're, gonna, if they're going to color outside the lines, as they say, uh, they got to pay a heavy price. And that's, that is a proper role for government. But I hope it doesn't come to that. I hope Norfolk Southern steps up and does the right thing. I, I don't think I'll ever forget the video of J.D. Vance pushing a stick down the creek and just watching all the chemicals come up. And that was kind of scarring to me. I've never been up in that area. Uh, but I know how close to home it is and how it could affect everyone down in central Ohio where I'm at as well. So I appreciate your response very much. Um, when it comes to public schooling and the federal government's response to issues like pornography in libraries, the 1619 Project. This was a listener question. Is there anything the federal government can do on that regard, or is that more of a state issue? 
Well, what the federal government needs to do is get the heck out of the way of education. Uh, we eventually need to wind the Department of Education down. It's not going to happen in day one or day 30, uh, but we can defang it, get rid of all these mandates, these ridiculous rules that they put on local communities. There's nothing more hyper-local than schools. The schools in your community, Josh, and the parents in your community should be in charge of your schools. And the kids and the parents in my community here in Westlake, Ohio, should be in charge of the schools here in Westlake, not bureaucrats and certainly not bureaucrats in Washington, D.C. That's common sense. Our founders understood that. The Tenth Amendment is there for a reason. So let's put parents back in charge of their kids' education, put communities back in charge of their kids' education. Again, nothing that should be controversial. I'm a big believer in public education, but the public education system has got to be mandated and driven by parents of those local communities. That's who pays the taxes, and that's whose kids uh, uh, whose kids go there. Absolutely. So what issues do you believe you could work with the left wing on or the, the Democrat Party across the aisle on for the benefit of Ohioans if you were in the U.S. Senate? Well, we, we can we can all agree that we should be putting America first in everything that we do. I wouldn't understand to me. I wouldn't understand somebody who doesn't want to do that. That means securing the border. I mean, I, I look at my if I'm in the United States Senate, I look at one of my Democrat colleagues and say, "Do you want to have an open border?" I mean, say that publicly because they won't. But I will if you say if you say it to me privately, I'll say it to you publicly because at the end of the day, we need to have a safe and secure border. That shouldn't be controversial. We should be energy dominant. We shouldn't be relying on foreign countries for energy. That shouldn't be controversial. Our trade deals should put America first, not other countries first. The war in Ukraine is a tragedy, and we should look to end the war in Ukraine by pushing for peace. That shouldn't be controversial. We should put parents in charge of our kids' education. That shouldn't be controversial. We can't spend trillions of dollars more than we take in. That shouldn't be controversial. And we shouldn't be giving the American people inflation and high interest rates that they don't deserve. And we got to get to the place where we really understand we strip all the nonsense out of the way, say all of us should be advocating for what's right for this country. Because at the end of the day, Josh, like I said at the beginning, every person my age or older should be understanding one simple fact. It is our moral duty to leave this country better for our kids and our grandkids than the way we found it. We would be the first generation in American history not to do that. And I'm not prepared to be part of a generation that, that does that, that gives you a country that's very, very different and worse than the country that I got. That's just fundamentally not fair. And that's why I'm in this fight, because we keep electing career politicians who only care about themselves. We're never going to fix this problem. Well, just from what you've said in that last question, I can tell you really care about the youth, and I appreciate that. That's obviously one of my, my most important issues is I'm going to be hopefully an American for another 70, 80 years, uh, Lord willing. Um, so on Twitter, you were criticized for speaking at an event with me and, and four other young conservative men. Um, how do you think the Republican Party can reach out to Gen Z and actually win in the future if we're not willing to speak with, with those my age? Well, because look who you're talking about, right? These are all, like I mentioned, you know, the George Carlin joke, you know, it's it's their party that wants you in it. Listen, at the end of the day, we got to be reaching young people, Josh. Listen, I applaud you're 17 years old to do this. You know, this is everything you say and do perfect. Listen, not everything I say and do is perfect. But at the end of the day, you care. You're getting a message out. You have a role. You have a voice. This is America. You, sh- you have a First Amendment right. 
And the reality is, uh, you know, let's be honest, one of the problems with social media is there's enormous jealousy around who gets how many likes and follows and all that nonsense. Uh, I will engage with anybody who wants to help advance and improve this country. And if we need to reach uh, young people, which we do as Republicans, I will reach out to all young people. You know, as you know, when I go to county fairs, maybe you don't know this, I go and visit the Democrat booth. I go talk to them. How you guys doing? In fact, I, in Claremont County, I brought them donuts. Now, they wouldn't accept the donuts, which made me a little sad. But then I was a little happy because I realized I had more donuts for myself. Right? But, uh, <laughs> right, we got to reach out to, and, and do, we got to start talking to each other. You know, it's easy on social media to throw bombs, especially people who are, you know, Joe 52 or the, the Georgian or the this or that. You know, put your name out there. Be who you are. And just, you know, if you have an issue, let's debate issues. Name calling is such nonsense. It's for the weak and the cowardly to hide behind some social media identity where you won't put yourself out there. That's not what you're doing. You put yourself out there, I applaud you. And you know what? Keep doing it. Don't let the haters take you, uh, you down. Well, thank you for that. And I, I appreciate your your reassurance. People are like, well, he's going to cower away when he finds out about GOP Josh. But I think you're just kind of doubling down. So I appreciate that. Uh, a couple quick listener submitted questions here. If the Biden impeachment was on the table today, how would you vote? Or, or in 2025, I, I guess he wouldn't be impeached. But if you were in the Senate now, uh, how would you vote on a Biden impeachment? Are you ready? This is going to be a little controversial for your viewers. Are you ready? All right. I would not seek to impeach Biden or Harris. I think that's a distraction. That's what the left does. In fact, we'd be doing them a huge favor because they have objectively the two worst Americans possible on the top of their ticket. I mean, truly failed leadership. So we want uh, President Trump to go up against uh, these two because they're, they're they're just objectively the worst they've got. So let's not do them a favor. But what we should be pushing for is the impeachment of Merrick Garland and Christopher Ray. Those are the architects of the injustice system that we have right now. And by bringing them before an impeachment tribunal, what that would allow us to do is get the facts on the table. Now, we know it's not going to go anywhere in the Senate, Josh. We know that. But it allows us to get the facts on the table. So let's rally around that. Let's not uh, waste our time impeaching a guy who would be doing the Democrats a favor by getting rid of him. Well, I think you might be a listener because I said the same thing the other week. So <laughs> I completely agree with you on that. Um, really quickly here, uh, Donald Trump had more charges. The 45th president uh, dropped against him just a few hours ago before we're recording this. Uh, do you believe the charges about January 6th or any of the other ones are legitimate? And how would you respond against the justimized we uh, weaponized justice system uh, if you were in the U.S. Senate? Well, we have to fix that. You know, these institutions are the mortar that hold the bricks of our democracy together. Uh, we have a two-tier justice system right now in America. It's very, very sad. It reminds me of the countries from the continent that I came from, Josh. I never thought I'd see that in America. I think if my mom and dad were alive today, uh, they would probably legitimately cry. They love this country so much. Uh, they became American citizens. My mom uh, you know, uh, waved the American flag every opportunity she could. She knew she gave us her seven kids the greatest gift on earth by bringing us here. And to see this happen here is just, genuinely sad for those of us who understand how important America is. You know, it's no coincidence that the charges today were brought against President Trump on January 6th because we had the Archer testimony yesterday, which was absolutely exposing to the point that the media had to cover what was being said, which is just outrageous allegations of incredible corruption, historic levels of corruption by Biden 
And you know what? Now the news cycle focuses on yet more ridiculous charges against President Trump. Because at the end of the day, January 6th was a national tragedy. We shouldn't have had any violence that day. A small number of people did that. They should be punished in accordance with the way others who did similar things were punished. But instead, they're being punished in a very different way. We had people who burnt literally our cities down of the summer of 21, ransacked our courthouses, burnt police stations, uh, created more chaos, and by the way, deaths and injuries uh, in, in, uh, in, in Washington, D.C. than January 6th. But yet the media is focused and obsessed with that because they know that that harms conservatives. But at the end of the day, we're the party of law and order. We're the party that believes that destroying any personal property is wrong. Yeah, but these are just trumped up charges, all intended to take uh, President Trump out of the mix. He's a leading contender in the nomination. He will be our nominee in the Republican Party. He will be our 47th president. And that's going to be up to the voters to decide. And they will pick that. And it's not going to be up to Merrick Garland to make that decision. Really quickly here, uh, I'm sure you saw the incident with Mitch McConnell and where he froze at the podium during a press conference. Uh, what is your reaction to this incident? And would you support McConnell for leadership in 2025 if you were a U.S. senator? Well, it's very sad. I mean, obviously, we don't want to see anybody's health suffer. Uh, you know, we got to remember that Leader McConnell did it, by the way, if not for Leader McConnell, Merrick Garland would be in a lifetime appointment in the Supreme Court. So I know that there's some some of your viewers that don't like the leader. I understand uh, uh, that people have that perspective, but we have to take a step back and go, whoa, wait a second. Without him, this lunatic would have been a Supreme Court justice. So we should thank him every day for that. Now, in terms of uh, what I will do uh, is I'm focused on becoming a United States Senator. All right, I got to get through a primary. I got to get through a general election, which is going to be tough. I will vote for the most conservative person who runs for majority. That's the commitment I'm making to you, for all your listeners, and to the people of Ohio. We'll see who runs for majority leader. I will vote for the most conservative. All right. And one more question here, and then I'll let you go because I know you are a busy man. Uh, early polling, obviously it's very early, uh, has you performing the worst of any Republican candidate against Sherrod Brown. How are you preparing to overcome that in November and actually beat Sherrod Brown, assuming you're the Republican nominee? Well, so I have a different, very, very different perspective on that poll. I view it as incredibly good news uh, for, for me, incredibly bad news for Sherrod Brown. This is a guy everybody knows. So nobody nobody doesn't know who Sherrod Brown is, right? He's been in D.C. His, his entire life, almost 50 years, 30 years in D.C. He's at 45%, Josh, in these polls. That means that everybody knows him, and he's 10 points underwater. I mean, that is disastrous for him. They don't know who I am. Because I haven't been a politician my whole life. I've never been on a ballot statewide or any other ballot for that matter. So the fact that I'm even in contention with people at this stage of the game that have been career politicians their whole life, and I'm within basically call it margin of error plus a little bit. You know, if you remember Josh Mandel in the last cycle when he ran in an eight-way race, by the way, he started in the mid-40s. So for my chief opponent to be in a high teens, low twenties is catastrophically bad. Uh, he should be pulling well above 50% because he's the one that supposedly has 80, 85% name ID. Yeah. So he, the fact that if he's right, he has 85% name ID and he's pulling at 20%. Yikes. Talk about need for a reboot right now. Right? So I'm very, very confident where I am. We've raised a record amount of money. Most of the money coming from Ohio, 
We built a great grassroots organization. I'm not encumbered by a taxpayer-funded job that I'm supposed to be paying attention to. I'm fully unemployed, Josh, looking for government work, right? So I, I do this every day, uh, seven days a week, 10, 12 hours a day. I'm not sure how my opponents do that and still kind of have to pay attention to that job they got elected to do, but that's their issue and that they have to answer to to their voters. Uh, but I'm confident we're going to win this primary. We're going to win this general election. We're going to take back the Senate. We'll get President Trump back in the White House. And Josh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you in 12 years and look at you and say, Josh, I can fairly say you're getting a country that's better than the country I got. Congratulations. That's my gift to my kids and my generation and those of us who joined the conservative movement to get that to be done. That, that's how optimistic I am that we're going to get there. Well, Bernie Moreno for U.S. Senate, BernieMoreno.com. Thank you very much for your time today, and I wish you the best of luck in your primary and your, in your general election campaign because you're going to win the primary. You have that GOP Josh, coveted GOP Josh endorsement, so I, I think you'll make it pretty far, sir. Absolutely. Hey, Josh, keep giving him hell. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't let the haters uh, get you down. And at the end of the day, listen to all your viewers. I engage with everybody. Uh, people want to get engaged in a serious conversation. Josh, thank you for asking serious questions. You obviously did your research and your homework. And man, I'm telling you, for somebody your age, I don't want it to sound patronizing because we shouldn't think of it that way. Because you know what? Alexander Hamilton was 18 years old uh, at the time of the revolution. So I'll, you know how you engage with young voters is stop patronizing them. Your generation has a point of view. Look what Charlie Kirk has been able to do, who, by the way, is endorsing this campaign. So let's keep out there. Let's keep young people engaged. You're the future of this country. Keep fighting for conservative ideals. Thank you for having me. It was an honor to be with you. Well, thank you very much, and I hope you have a great rest of your evening. And I, I, I can't really respond to that. Uh, BernieMoreno.com, welcome back. Or thank you very much, and have a great You're night. You're listening uh, to the Conservative I, Crusader. I kind of completely just lost what I was saying there at the end. You, you flabbergasted <laughs> me.